Well, I know this looks a little different than our normal Sunday. Um, we're going to do things a little bit different today. Um, Jonathan and I are going to have a, what we're calling a family conversation together. Um, we view all of us as a family, those of us who call Trinity home. And we want to take a couple minutes and share um, together. We want to share about some unexpected things that have been happening um, with Jonathan and things that we've been wrestling through and dialoguing about together. So we're going to sit in these chairs to do it. Um, if you're having trouble seeing at certain seats, feel free to jump to the sides, come up. Um, the expensive seats are up here in the first two rows, so those are still open. But um, if, you, if you need to switch seats to see better, you can do this now. Let me give you a little bit of context in regard to this conversation, just for two or three minutes. Um, most of you know, two weeks ago, I preached a sermon uh, on somewhat of a last-minute notice. Thursday night, a little over two weeks ago, got the call that John was sick and um, put together a message in 48 hours. I kind of like pressure situations, so I kind of looked at it as a fun challenge. But um, what happened was a week before that, Jonathan had gone in for a basic outpatient procedure, nothing major. Um, in the process of that, something was triggered in his mind that has caused a ton of anxiety. And we've been talking about what that is. In fact, kind of right when it hit, him and Danielle, and then I was kind of brought into the conversation, thought, well, this will just be a day or two. I'm sure you'll be fine to preach. And so kind of went through that week, and it became pretty clear, like, this is not going to be an easy thing. And so I said, Let, I'll jump in. So I jumped in to preach. And the anxiety has gotten better as these last couple weeks, but it's still present. And so we wanted to be up here, and in the spirit of family and authenticity, we talk a lot about sharing our stories here at Trinity, and we have a story to tell, and John has a story to tell. And to be honest, you know, neither of us really know how this is going to go this morning, and we are totally fine with that. We're trusting the great physician, and we've asked the Holy Spirit to lead us today. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a a conversation about what's happening. Yeah. You want to pray for us? Yep. Let's pray. Father, you are the great physician. You are working in each of our lives. You are also the senior pastor and the leader of this church, Jesus. And we're so grateful for that. It is not about anyone here. It is all about you and your spirit working in the communities in Forest Ranch and Ranch Bernardo and Escondido and Poway. And we thank you that we can come as we are. We can come share life together. We can support one another. We can encourage one another. But we can live a story that's worthy to tell. And that's one that says, you know, we don't have it all together, but you are with us and you are always working. And in, in your divine way. When we are weak is when you are the strongest. And that's been the story of scripture from beginning to end. And so we just pray for this time. May it be an encouraging conversation, one where we can learn and grow together. We pray for your spirit to be very present as we share here this morning. And it is in the name of Jesus we pray all of this. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. <clears throat> 
I'm going to share a few things and kind of follow up on what he said, but why don't you look on page six in your worship guide? Maybe we can throw that on the screen as well. And I'm going to read this for us, and then I'm going to see where the Spirit takes us. I've got an agenda. I've got some things I'd like to share and some things I'd like to say, and we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, But this has really been on my heart this week as I've been praying and thinking about uh, what God is doing in my life, what God is doing in our church. This season that we've been talking a little bit about this concept of re-enchantment. The last three weeks have been a serious chance for me to be uh, disenchanted, and the way in which God has been very faithful to me and my family through a lot of unknown uncertainty has been uh, profoundly grounding. doesn't mean that the past couple of weeks have been easy, Um, and I'll share briefly about that. But let me read this text because this is the anchor point of what we want to say today. So this is God's word to us, spoken from a man who is suffering, the original writer being the Apostle Paul. And we listen to him speak. He says, but he said to me, talking about God, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. This is God's word for us. Thanks be to God. Yeah, it's a unique moment for me, uh, a unique moment for our church. Um, By the way, while I'm feeling good right now, we are right at a year anniversary to where we had a first preview service somewhere around February 7th. I think it was Super Bowl Sunday. So in some ways, happy anniversary to Trinity. It's not the real anniversary, though. Not the Let's real anniversary. That's Easter. But in some ways, this is, this is a year in the making where we first gathered here together and started to become a community and a church. So that's a pretty neat uh, hallmark and, and uh, a neat marker for us. Um, I'm not going to go into detail on, on some of the physical side of the, these things that have happened. But in short, there was a very basic outpatient procedure, as Jeff mentioned, Um, One of the outcomes of that was a sudden trigger when somebody asked me how I was doing much later, much after the procedure, my little brain started to worry that maybe I wasn't doing that well. And um, it was immediate, it was quick, there was anxiety, and there was panic. And I'd never experienced anything like that in my whole life. 38 years, pretty, pretty easygoing. Uh, maybe hardworking and hard charging, but no real anxiety, anxiousness, but no anxiety. And so for this to come out of nowhere the past three weeks has been really heavy and really hard and really unique. And um, I completely had no idea what was happening for the first seven days. Um, Some of our best friends in life happen to be therapists uh, who deal with anxiety and OCD. And so we called them and said, here's what's going on. And they have been tremendous resources. The interesting thing about anxiety is that the more you work against it, the more you fight it, the more you try to say, it's not real, I'm going to be strong, it gets stronger. It's almost like Paul's emphasis on strength and weakness. It does not make sense. So what I'd rather be doing right now 
is probably sleeping in my bed and running away and going that direction. Um, but the reality is that if you're going to deal with anxiety, uh, you have to prayerfully move forward and you have to face it and you have to come into the presence of that thing that which you are at that moment nervous about, scared about, and fearing. Um, I would not have considered myself a nervous person, an anxious person, or a feel fearful person. Uh, and that's why this has been so surprising to see where this has come from. Uh, again, this is not related to the work that I have been doing here, though, of course, you guys are stressful. Um, <laughs> but in so many ways, it has been, been strangely related to the, the medical occurrence. But of course, I'm taking a lot of inventory as to how I'm doing, how's my heart, how's my spirit, what's God saying to me, what am I learning? Um, if I had a different sort of job where it wasn't so public, I might only be able to, I might only have to share this with a few people uh, because in so many ways it would not affect my day-to-day, -day. but because my job is, is largely very public, um, I, it felt very disingenuous for me to try to preach a 30-minute sermon this weekend based on 1 Kings and kind of white-knuckle through it and smile at you and pretend that everything's okay. I thought that this could be a unique moment for God to be able to use this in my life, my family's life, and uh, this, this church's life. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, as we're coming into this season and this moment of thinking about re-enchantment, that that something happens in my life to try to disenchant me and us. And I know that the enemy would love to use this to wound me and my family and this church family, but the potential for it to be used for good is very high. There has been a real simplicity to my um, sitting with Jesus these past three weeks. Very simple. Now, essentially, it has looked like tears. It has looked like confusion. It has looked like... Um, a, a desperate man's pleading for relief. It has looked like tremendous joy in certain moments. It has looked like uh, somebody who says, if God spoke it and if it is real, then I will claim it as the most true reality in my life. It has looked like um, family. It has, it has looked communal for me. Uh, there is a lot of hiding when difficult things come. Uh, that may be your gut reaction. Um, thankfully, my gut reaction, and maybe I've learned some hard lessons along the way, uh, my gut reaction has been to immediately bring people into this and say, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't feel that well. I don't feel on. I feel off. And uh, it has been a tremendous gift to be surrounded by people who are praying who are, who are uh, bringing meals and who are loving. Um, we have felt the church be the church, and we wanted to now share this with the whole church, in part because there's gonna be, there will be days in my recovery where I feel off. Uh, I won't be as, as I mean, I'm pretty funny, but on some days I won't be <laughs> as funny. Um, there will be days where I feel like I, I have to say, give me a moment. There'll be days where I'm preaching and I hoped it would be 30 minutes and it ends up being 15. That might be your favorite Sunday. Um, I don't know. And that's actually part of the, um, the learning curve of anxiety is if I try to control it, it will end up controlling me. But if I can take my hands off 
and I can say, oh, Jesus, the promises of Scripture are the most profound truths and realities in my life, and yet there's part of me that seems like it's still struggling. And yet there's part of me that maybe doesn't fully believe in the core of my being everything that I preach. Oh, help my unbelief, oh, Lord. Question is, is that all right? Is it okay for us to be in process? Is it okay for me to be just like you and have strengths and weaknesses? And for us to be led in a way just like uh, by a person just like the Apostle Paul who says, I am afflicted with weakness. And I asked for the Lord to take it away. And yet, what does he say? For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The world doesn't understand that. It is an upside-down value, but there's potential for the church to understand that and to live that out together. And so that is my hope, that that thing that uh, the enemy has wanted to use to hurt us, confuse me, uh, wound my family, and ultimately destroy this church. I mean, the enemy wants to hurt you. When the gospel is being preached and when lives are being changed and when people are coming back to life, I might get up in a minute, you never know. Um, when people are coming back to life, when their hearts are being re-enchanted, that is where there is a zeroing in on a community to say, let's stop this profound gospel work from happening. And so I want us to be a church that says, it is what it is. We live in a broken world. And not every part of my life is put back together yet. And this will be another area where God will be able to use me and use us as what Henry Nouwen calls wounded healers. There's two things I was hoping I would be able to get to. I wanted to read for you a brief excerpt from an essay that was written by Scott Sauls. He talked about, he's a pastor that I have really come to respect. Uh, He wrote about his own bout with anxiety and depression. And um, I wanted to read part of that. And I'm going to close this time with a glimpse through the scripture, the way in which God has used uh, wounded healers. So let me read these two things for you, and then we'll partake in a meal together. So first from Scott Saul's article, he wrote, uh, he entitled it, Anxiety and Depression, My Strange Friends. He writes, for those of us who have suffered or are suffering from this affliction of anxiety or depression, I think we need to do everything we can to discover and embrace and apply theology of weakness. Even the Apostle Paul said that in weakness, we discover the glory, power, and grace of God. This is how God works. He is upside down to our sensibilities. Better said, we are upside down to His. Anne Lamott recently said, it's okay to realize that you are crazy and damaged because all of the best people are. Suffering has a way of shaping us as people and as ministers. It has a way of equipping us to lead in ways that are helpful and not harmful. A healer who himself has not been wounded is limited in his ability to heal. The crazy damaged people in Scripture seem to be the ones through whom God did the greatest things. Hannah experienced bitterness of soul over infertility and a broken domestic situation. Elijah felt so beaten down by ministry that he asked God to take his life. David repeatedly asked his own soul why it was so downcast. Even Jesus, the perfectly divine human, expressed that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. Each of these biblical saints, in his or her own way, was empowered by God to change the world, not in spite of the affliction, but because of and through it.
Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, experienced depression for many years of his ministry. William Cowper, the great hymn writer, had debilitating, paralyzing anxiety for most of his adult life. C.S. Lewis lost his wife to a violent form of cancer. Johnny Erickson Tata became paralyzed from the neck down when she was a teenager. All of these and others have been God's chosen instruments for bringing truth and grace and hope into the world. The best counselors have themselves been in counseling. It's how God works. So if anxiety and or depression is your affliction, he writes, I am sharing this part of my story to remind you that there's no shame in suffering from this or any other affliction. In fact, our afflictions may be the key to our fruitfulness as ministers. Damaged does not mean ineffective. It does not mean done. I'm going to skip down. He says, many times I've encountered this affliction through or because of something related to ministry. Usually anxiety and depression have come on me because I've lost my way temporarily, leaving the easy yoke of Jesus and looking to ministry for self-validation, to make a name for myself, to gain applause and acclaim and respect from the crowds. This is a dead-end street, but in moments and seasons of weakness, my heart has gone there. Anxiety and depression have been God's way of reminding me that I don't have to be awesome. He's not called me to be awesome or impressive or a celebrity pastor or anything of the sort. He has first and foremost called me to be loved and to receive that love. He has called me to remember that because of Jesus, I already have a name and I will be remembered even after I am long gone because he is my God and I am his. He is my father and I am his son. Soren Kierkegaard said the thorn in his foot enabled him to spring higher than anyone with sound feet. The Apostle Paul said something similar about the thorn in his flesh. The thorn kept him from becoming cocky. It kept him, it kept him humble. It kept him fit for God and fit for the people whom God had called him to love and serve. There is glory in weakness. There is a power made perfect in that place. And he concludes by saying, though I wouldn't wish anxiety or depression on anyone, I am strangely thankful for the unique way this affliction has led me time and again back into the rest of God. And he quotes, all the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. I'm going to conclude with this list that when I was preparing for Sunday and praying through uh, what, what God was saying to me and through me, what my heart was saying, um, he took me through a list of biblical wounded healers. And so I want to read this for you, and I think we're maybe going to conclude with uh, some prayer at the end. We're going to invite two friends up, uh, Dave and Sue Pike, and then we're going to pray as a community, and then we're going to enjoy this meal together. So let me read this for you. Listen closely to the way in which God consistently works from beginning to end. Adam and Eve were given a garden, grace, and God himself, and yet they were still unable to control their desire for more. Noah was a faithful witness with a vice for too much wine. Abraham was courageously moving into the unknown in one moment and fearfully making excuses in the next. Jacob was a swindler and a shyster from the day he was born. Moses was a man of tremendous gifting, yet he stuttered and he stammered, and he even didn't get to experience the promise of the promised land because of his sin. Aaron was set apart as a priest, and yet he allowed the people's wrong opinions about God to sway his own. Job was publicly maligned, directly accused, and he became the namesake of those who suffer. Ruth was an outsider who wrestled with her identity and her place in the story. Gideon was called to lead, but he preferred hiding. 
Samson was the strongest man to ever live, and yet we remember him for both his bravery and his foolishness. David was a poet, a warrior, and a king who battled generational sin, lust for women, lust for power, and often could be found crying and singing out of the pit of his own despair. Solomon was known for his wisdom, and yet it was his arrogance and spiritual pride that led to a divided kingdom. Elijah, the great prophet of God, won a battle against the forces of darkness and evil, but soon after wanted to end his ministry, crawl into a cave and die. Isaiah was promised a ministry where he'd be ever speaking, but no one would ever listen. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, was called as a young man into the service of God, and yet he endured much persecution, was rejected by his hometown, and he died in exile away from his homeland. Jonah was a self-righteous, prideful nationalist who preferred to hoard grace rather than to share it. Where am I? Hosea's life, marriage, and family were used by God as a living illustration of the unfaithfulness of an entire nation. Mary was a teenage mother who was filled with doubt, concern, and questions. Matthew was a greedy, undeserving capitalist. Peter was a foolhardy, self-assured leader who stumbled over himself again and again. James and John often cared more about power than they did about people. Jesus' friend Martha was busy and anxious over the wrong things. Mary Magdalene had been inhabited by seven demons. Paul was a self-righteous Pharisee with a dark past, a difficult present, and a persistent thorn in his flesh that reminded him of his daily need for Jesus. Timothy was an inspiring, aspiring, yet insecure young pastor, learning his place in the world without a faithful father to guide him. And Jesus was the lion-hearted lamb who willingly suffered for you and for me. See, each of these men and women and many more were used by God again and again as wounded healers, agents of grace, people in process, mercy recipients, ordinary men and women whom God took such delight in despite their shortcomings and despite their failures and despite their weakness, or maybe better said, grace erupted in these men and women's lives because of their shortcomings because of their failures and because of their weaknesses. I say that to say we don't have to hide who we are. God is in the business of using broken things to do amazing things. And uh, the world is looking for a community where that becomes foundational, where that becomes part of the DNA. I prayed for this culture at our church. I did not think I'd be sitting here sharing this story to lead from the front. But this is the way in which God has led me and our church to this moment. If we want to be a church that can change one another's lives, if the stories that Jeff shared in the last 48 hours that he put together about his life, if those stories are going to be shared, if my story is going to be shared, if your story is going to be listened to and embraced, then we have to let the upside-down nature of the gospel open us to the profound vulnerability that grace enables And so I'm praying for that, that the enemy, while he wants to use it to scare us and hurt us, God wants to use it to catalyze us and bring us together. And so uh, why don't we conclude with prayer, as we said. Thank you. Let me close with a couple quick thoughts, and then we're going to bring Dave and Sue up. You know... To finish that story of Scott Saul's, um, the first time he shared that at his church in Nashville um, about the struggle with anxiety and depression, a man walked up to him and said, 
you're now my pastor. And, you know, me watch, watching John go through this for the last three weeks, I would say watching him pursue the Lord, seek help and counsel. Um, like my love for him as my pastor has only grown through that. So um, I know some of you are probably sitting here thinking, how can I help? What can I do? Um, it's, it's a loving, natural response. A couple quick thoughts. First off, please pray for us as a staff, for the church, for John and his family deeply. Um, we started this church, and John said, I don't know how we do this, but I want this to be a praying church. Well, this is part of how we're doing this, so we need you to pray deeply for us. Um, secondly, in, in normal conversations in this is great. Um, so normal conversations, let's talk about the Super Bowl together are helpful right. and awesome. And thirdly, if you want to help, if you want to jump in in any way and do something, email me, and we can have a conversation and help facilitate um, that process. So please reach out. We'd love to um, talk to you, meet with you, email me, and, and we can talk about kind of coming alongside them and helping yeah. them out. So um, right now, I'm going to invite Dave and Sue Pike. Dave is a Redeemer, or an elder at Redeemer, who's a liaison here at Trinity so he is at Trinity, but he is functioning as an elder at Redeemer. And the elders at Redeemer are on our side as well, um, praying for us and loving on us. So Dave's going to come up as an elder. Sue and Dave are both on our, uh, our leadership team at the church. So they've been there from before I was around, praying for this church, loving this church, providing um, significant leadership for this church. So we're going to pray, first off, for, for Jonathan and his family. Um, secondly, for all the hurt that is within this church, within our own lives. And then thirdly, I'll conclude um, just asking God, as he does, to knit it all together for his glory. So Dave's going to start. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. That was really encouraging. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're so thankful for um, your Holy Spirit. Uh, present with us today and each day of our lives. <clears throat> We're thankful that this is your church and um, you are the head of this church that you've called us together. And we're thankful for Jonathan and Danielle and their amazing gift of uh, service and leadership and self-sacrifice for this church, for Jonathan's gift of preaching, his heart, his openness to questions, and, and today, uh, his vulnerability to share with us uh, weaknesses that he has uh, really struggled with the last few weeks. And um, <clears throat> we pray for him, Father, that you would give him wisdom and uh, in dealing with uh, anxiety. We pray for continued healing we pray for um, <clears throat> strength and courage and uh, a deep and abiding sense of your presence and your sufficiency and your grace as we've just spoken. We pray for Danielle, uh, for her love and support for Jonathan and her ministry with children at this church, that you would strengthen her and uh, this unusual experience for their family and we pray that you would give her strength and wisdom and courage in this situation. And for Mason and Penny and Aaron, that um, when their dad just isn't feeling right some days, that you would 
uh, cover them with your comfort and grace and um, understanding. And this would be a time in their family they could look back on and, and cite the uh, wonderful grace that you pour out on them and are doing so now. Father, I want <clears throat> to thank you so much for the courage that Jonathan really showed in being up here this morning and um, being vulnerable with us, with the church family. And um, I, I see what a powerful, um, what, a, what a powerful moving of your spirit it was in him. He so wanted to be supported in prayer in that. And so we, we really have seen and uh, you working even in that this morning in empowering him and inspiring him and strengthening him um, to do that and to share with us. And so I want to thank you for that. And um, I also want to lift up to you um, each person here this morning who, in listening to Jonathan, could say, oh, thank God I'm, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who feels these things, who struggles with anxiety, with depression, with uh, weakness of whatever kind, even if it's not specifically those things, we all <clears throat> have those, those weaknesses and um, at, in different ways find our strength in you. And so I just, uh, I just pray for our church and um, each one of us who carries some, some pain that we really need your, your strength, your power, and your overflowing and abundant grace for us. It's not just Jonathan, and I just pray that we can all support him, but that we can also all support one another in a new um, depth of understanding and uh, grace for each other to... Um, to accept, to understand, to share, and to trust, um, because we can trust you. And so I just thank you for the presence and power of your Holy Spirit here, and um, pray these things in the name of Jesus. Lord, you say in, in James, consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kind, and that is... That is such a mystery. It's such a backward notion that we face this joy. But I think it's because when we are weak, you are strong. And when we are weak together as a church, you are stronger than ever. May we be a church that always walks in weakness together. May we share our stories. May we share our lives. May we share our hurts and our struggles. Because when we do, we're reminded that we are not alone like Sue said that we are a body knitted together. And we serve a God who is strong. A God who loves us from the depths of who he is, who has called us into his family, who has adopted us. So may you use Jonathan's story 
today in a significant way in the life of our church. May you use it to transform each and every one of us, to open our hearts to whatever is in our own life. That it pull us closer to you. We thank you and praise you, God, for your son who came to this world sinless, not deserving any of the punishment he received, any of the affliction he received. But he, in the night before he was crucified, went through deep trouble, deep anxiety. But he made the decision to move forward to the cross so that you and I might receive the forgiveness of sins by his sacrifice alone and because of his love for us. So we live in that love. We are joyful coming out of here because of you and your love for us in this community that not perfectly, but seeks to support and love one another deeply. So thank you for this body. Thank you for what you are doing here at Trinity. We lift all of this up in your holy name. Amen.